The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. I hope that everyone has had a good weekend this week. Uh, for me, the Cowboys won yesterday, so yeah, I'm doing really good. Uh, it, it, it was a good day. Uh, they don't always win, right? <laughs> But when they do, it makes it for an enjoyable weekend. And if you follow professional football at all, then you know that uh, what a roller coaster ride it has been uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, uh, sometimes they can go and they can score 50 points on somebody, and then the next week they'll go and they will uh, they'll lose to a team that maybe they shouldn't have lost to, and it becomes very frustrating. And you just can't trust the Dallas Cowboys. I mean. That's just the way it is. I know that going into the playoffs, you just can't trust the Dallas Cowboys, and that's okay. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about trust, if that's all right. Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about trust. Um, trust, trust is a very important thing, right? Would you agree with me on that? Uh, trust, I would say, is vital it is vital to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Trust is probably the most vital component of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon out of Romans chapter 5, uh, and that passage and the sermon that proceeded from it was all about hope, a hope in who God is and a hope in who God says he is. Now, hope and trust, they go hand in hand. Would you agree with that this morning? Hope and trust, in my opinion, go hand in hand, hence the sermon this morning about trust. I really feel like you can sometimes have hope in something, uh, but if you don't have trust in that something, your hope will be no good. Okay, stick with me here for a little bit. You can have hope in a certain thing, but if you don't trust that thing, then your hope isn't going to take you very far. Let me explain. Let's say you are going to the airport to get on a flight from uh, Houston to Florida, okay? Houston to Florida. I was going to say New York to LA, but nobody likes New York or LA, so I'll just say Houston to Florida. We can all live with that, all right? But let's say you, you're going to go, you're going to get on a flight to, to, from Houston to Florida, and, and you hope that the flight is going to go well. You, you hope, knowing that planes really don't go down that often, but you don't trust the pilot or the plane you're getting on. <laughs> what are the chances you're going to get on that plane, right? If you don't trust the pilot or the plane to get you where you hope to where you're going to go, that's not going to be very good for you, right? So you can hope in something but not have trust, right? Uh, think about it this way. You hope your vehicle turns on every morning, right? Uh, sometimes they don't, and then that's a bad day. But you place your trust in that vehicle to get you from point A to point B. But did you know that your vehicle is full of gasoline, and at any moment it could explode? I don't know if you knew that. It has happened before, okay? <laughs> but you trust that when you get in that vehicle, you're going to go down the road and everything's going to be okay, we place trust in that thing, but, but that's not always the case, right? We, we do trust our vehicle because it's never failed us before. Unless you've been in a vehicle that just blows up on you all of a sudden, you have a pretty good track record with your vehicle. 
that it's not going to explode on the freeway. You can trust it. So there's a difference in hoping something will work and placing your full trust in that thing to actually do what it's supposed to do. However, that does not apply to every situation, okay? Who in here this morning has ever been skydiving? A few of you, okay. Who in here this morning, raise your hand, if you would never go skydiving, even if they gave you a million dollars? George raised two hands. He's like, I don't care how much money you give me, I'm not going skydiving. Why is that the case? It, there has been people that go skydiving and everything turns out okay. Would you agree? But there have been people who, you know, sad to say, have gone skydiving and the parachute didn't work. And so you placing your trust in that parachute is a less likely thing, right? You see, there are people in here, like my wife, for instance. It's on my bucket list. I really want to do it. But Melissa would never do it, right? Because she would not have any confidence at all in that parachute. Let me go out on a limb, a little limb, right? I'm the optimistic, she's she optimistic, she's the pessimistic. And so, like, it's never going to work. The parachute's never going to work. And I'm like, it's fine. Other people have jumped. And so that's the case. But uh, she would not do it because she knows, and it's for good reason, that there's an absolute chance that that thing would not come out. And so she, there's no way she would put her trust in that, right? Your trust level has to be at an absolute high to do something like that. Would you agree with me? your trust level has to be at an absolute high uh, to do something like that. And so talking about trust, let me tell you about a name, a guy by the name of Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin, okay? This guy was a tightrope walker in the 1800s, and he would walk the tightrope on anything, right? From building to building, skyscraper to skyscraper. He would do the tightrope anywhere and everywhere. And so as he was gaining fame and, and everybody knew who he was in the 1800s, on September 14th of 1860, he decided he was going to tightrope walk across Niagara Falls with no safety harness. No safety harness. He was going to walk across that thing with no safety harness, and there was people on both sides of the border ready to, and there was thousands of people there. And so he gets ready to go, and uh, he walks over the tightrope tight one time, comes back with no harness, and people are cheering, and they're, and they're yeah, you know, that's awesome. And so then he, he says, who thinks I can take a wheelbarrow across the tightrope? And everybody's like, you can do it, you can do it, you know. And so he goes, and he takes that wheelbarrow all the way over and all the way back, and people by this point are just going ecstatic. And, and he says, yeah, he says, who thinks I can t put a person in here and, and roll it across? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, okay, who's going to be my first volunteer? Nobody did it, by the way. Nobody jumped in that wheelbarrow and allowed him to. But why not? They had seen him take that wheelbarrow across back and forth. They had seen him go do, right, that there was this hope that, yeah, he knows what he's doing and it, and it can work out. But to place that kind of trust and faith that the one time he would slip wouldn't be with you in the wheelbarrow is a totally different thing. And that... This morning is our difference, right, when we talk about putting our total trust, our trust in Jesus Christ. We can have hope in salvation and for eternity, and we can be very secure in these things. But when the difficult times in this life arise, we oftentimes have little trust that God can actually get us through the difficulties. 
we, we come up in some financial burden or some hole we've dug ourselves in or whatever the case is. Our marriage is falling apart or you know, our children are you know, running amok or our lives are in disaster. And, and most times, often than not, we run to the things that we ourselves feel like we can control, right? Well, if I only did this or if I only did that or, or if, if I could only fix this or this or that and we don't just place our total, total trust and abandonment in Jesus Christ, we don't always do that. And sometimes that prolongs our situation, right? The more we try to fix any situation, the deeper and deeper and deeper we will dig that hole. So when we find ourselves in difficult times, or find ourselves having hard choices to make uh, in life, all of our hope and our absolute trust should be in God and God alone. Do you agree with that this morning? That we should have that kind of trust in God, that we're ready to jump in the wheelbarrow at any moment's notice. This morning we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, allow me to set this up just a little bit with why we have the book of Proverbs in our Bible. The book of Proverbs is a book that is full of wise sayings, and it was written by Solomon, David's son. So David was king for about 40 years. He had a son with a woman by the name of Bathsheba, and his name was Solomon. And Solomon was going to take the throne. And you see, God wouldn't let David build the temple because David was a man of war. He had blood on his hands. And so he was going to allow Solomon to build the temple but Solomon, God asked Solomon first, what did he need or what did he want to, to be a good king? And this is, we're going to read it real fast just to set this up. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 through 12. It says, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon said to God, you have shown great and faithful love to my father David, and you have made me king in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David now come true. For you have made me king over people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people for who can judge these great people of yours. God said to Solomon, since this was your heart and you have not requested riches, wealth, or glory or for the life of those who hate you and you have not requested long life, but you have requested for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may judge my people over whom I made you king, wisdom and knowledge are given to you. I will also give you riches, wealth, and glory, unlike that was given to the kings who were before you uh, or will be given to those after you. So God granted Solomon this wisdom that he asked for because it was pure and it was pure of heart. Now, this has everything to do with the book of Proverbs because Solomon wrote Proverbs. And as we read through Proverbs or as you read through Proverbs, you can know and understand that the person who wrote Proverbs was the wisest man on earth. And the God who inspired Proverbs is a God who knows it all. So in other words, when we read something out of Proverbs, we can be certain all the way 100% that that thing is true. That's the reason I kind of wanted to set that up this way. So let's just go through like we do. Uh, Proverbs verses three, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We only have two verses this morning and only two points. So we're going to be out of here before you know it. All right. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your path straight. Let's read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. 
Solomon says the first step to understanding God's plan for your life is to trust in God. To trust in God. But not only to eh, eh, kind of maybe put some trust in God, but to really trust in God. So our first point this morning is some trust is no trust. Some trust is no trust at all. Think of Charles Blondin and the fact that you could trust Charles Blondin, Blondin to get himself across that tightrope and the wheelbarrow, but you didn't trust him enough to push you across on that wheelbarrow. That, that kind of trust is not trust at all, okay? So some trust is really no trust. It says trust in the Lord, he says, but not only that, it says trust him with all of your heart, with all of your heart. You know, sometimes this is very difficult to do. The idea of giving up control and allowing God to take over sometimes can be a daunting task, okay? If anybody who knows me well this morning knows that I am a super control freak, okay? I am really a control freak. Uh, if we're driving anywhere, I literally want to be the one behind the wheel. Uh, you can ask Daniel. We, we kind of go back and forth about this all the time because... Uh, for me, letting go of control is very difficult, right? Let's say like Stephen Ward, he already knows if we're going on a trip together, he's like, hey, buddy, you want to drive? And usually I just think he's being nice, but he just knows that I'm like this control freak. And, and I'm going to be like a you know, backseat Betty or whatever the case is. And so uh, I, I'm like that, right? That's just the way I am. And, and, and what's the source of me being a control freak? Well, it's basically I don't trust other people to do what I can do because I think I can do it better, right? And that's not always a good thing, right? Because I can't do everything better, obviously. Uh, but my trust level sometimes, because I'm a control freak, I don't want to let go of that, you know? Uh, because I, I feel like, you know, I want to have my hands on it or at least give myself a chance. Um, if you play golf in here, I don't know if anybody plays golf in here. I used to play a lot of golf. I used to be decent at playing golf. And uh, when you play a scramble, there's like four people to one team. And, uh, and you go and you play the best ball. And, then you, and I always wanted to be the guy who putted fourth because I had total reliance in the fact that if I saw three times where that ball was going, I was going to nail it. And usually I did, right? And so I really didn't, you know, when somebody would be like, oh, you go first, I'm like, nah, you go first. Because I didn't trust them to make the shot, right? I wanted to make the shot. And that's just me being selfish and having trust issues. But that can be a real problem. That can be a real problem when it comes to our relationship with God, can it not? That if, if you or if I are like that in our relationship with Christ, then he does not have total control. And why would we trust in ourselves when he's the God who created the universe? Amen? Look at what Solomon says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all of your heart. In other words, give God all of the control. You see, God can't work in our lives when we don't give him the control. God can't work in our lives unless we give our lives up to him. He's not going to have us like a puppet on a string. He's not going to move us to do the things where he has commanded us to do unless we give up all of ourselves and surrender everything we have to him. Have you ever tried to move somebody that's just kind of laying there? Like, if you have kids, you know what that's like, right? Sometimes your kid would just like, 
plop down. And when they're when they're five, it's kind of easy. You know, you just kind of grab their arm, like, all right, I'll just drag you through the department store or whatever. But if they're 21, like Gabby, you know, and she like plops herself down, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to carry her out of the department store, you know, or Isaac or Richard, they're just too big. And <laughs> and so that's kind of the way it works with our relationship with Christ, right? As we're baby followers of Christ, as we're baby Christians, and God is moving us along. Sometimes he's kind of dragging us. Sometimes, you know, he's helping us along, and, and we're learning how to trust in him, and, and it's not a whole lot of weight. But once we have this deep relationship with God or this long-term relationship with God, it becomes kind of one of those things, right? Where we're going to throw the tantrum and God's going to be like, I'm just going to leave you there, bud. Like, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Uh, that, you know my favorite uh, poem or whatever is, have you ever read the, the Footprints poem where, you know, the guy sees the one track of footprints and then he sees no foot or two footprints and one footprints and there's God carry him through. I really like that. I really think it's a little different, though. It's like one set of footprints and a drag mark sometimes. That's the way God's working with us. Because we have to be able to put our trust in him, right? We have to be able to give him all control. Uh, and if you're like me, that's a difficult task. I'm just going to be totally transparent with you this morning. Even with God, my control freak nature kicks in sometimes, right? Because I want to be in control. Now, it's difficult task, but it's not impossible, all right? It's not impossible. Have you ever seen somebody do a trust fall? You know what that is? Where you like turn backwards here. Let me get a couple. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I got this video I want to show you of some trust fall fails, and this is kind of like us with God. I think it's in there as trust fall if you'll play that, Warren. <laughs> Falling. Fall away. Calm enough. <laughs> us having control, right? Do you see the ones that fall forward? That's us, okay? God says, hey, trust me with all your heart, and you're like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to trust that way. I'm going to trust this way, and then we fall flat on our face, right? These people had the trust, but they didn't quite get the results that they were hoping for. So to place your total trust in God, to place everything you have in him, for him, through him, it requires this faith and this trust and what's the very next thing Solomon says after he says to trust in the Lord with all your heart? He says, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. Why? Because you don't know anything. I don't know anything, right? God knows everything. God created the universe and everything in it. Uh, with no frame of reference, by the way, there was no circle for God to say, I'm like, make this circle like this. He created the circle. Now, I've I done this experiment before, but it's impossible, right? Can you create 
some kind of something with no frame of reference. No, you can't do it because everything you know of has a frame of reference. God did not have that, right? God is the most knowledgeable. Did you know humans on earth, there's so much we don't know. Did you know that there's like the deepest part of the sea is further than six miles down? And scientists still don't know what lives at the very bottom. They've taken trips down there as far as they can go, and they're always finding some kind of new creature down there that they had no idea existed after being on the earth for like 6,000 years, okay? There's things that we don't know. All this to say is that when we think about our own understanding, it is very much limited. It is very much limited. And if we are going to trust in God, if we're going to put that faith in him, it cannot be on our own understanding of anything. We're not wise enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have enough knowledge to get us through the type of thing that God can. And so he says, well, don't rely on your understanding. Rely on my understanding. Do you, do you notice like the total abandonment, the total giving God control, the total like even not even not even being able to think your way out of it, but allowing God to get you there is what he's saying, right? Because this is why Solomon says not to rely on our, our own understanding, because we cannot possibly know more than God. We cannot possibly know better than God, right? Our understanding is tainted by what we know and what we see. We're a fallen people. We are limited by time, space, and matter, okay? Every single thing you and I know is bound by time. Every single thing we know is bound by space and by matter. And God is uh, timeless, he's eternal, and he's not bound by anything. And so these are the reasons why we don't trust our own selves, but we trust in him him and it's because we're a fallen people we have been tainted with sin and that sin and i preached about it a few weeks ago maybe a month ago about how we can't help ourselves right the harder we try the worse it gets but it's because of sin right look at galatians 5 17 it says for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh these are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Our flesh should not determine our understanding as it pertains to our actions. Our flesh should not determine our understanding as it pertains to our actions because we are a fallen people. And God is full of understanding and wisdom, and this is why we can place our trust in Him. He knows better than we do, right? I love what it says a little further down in Proverbs 3, 19. It says, The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. That's really neat. I kind of geek out on some of these things. So it says, The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. I think sometimes when we think of God creating the, the universe and the earth and everything, I think sometimes we limit God in a way that says, oh, yeah, you know, it's just like, like, uh, oh, he thought of it and, you know, here was a bunch of trees and here was a bunch of whatever. And no, it doesn't say that. There was this thought process through wisdom and understanding that God used to make what we see. I was just reading in Genesis the other morning, and it astounded me that it took God an entire 24 hours, think about this, to separate the waters from the waters. 
right? That was day two. Day three, he makes land, he makes plants, he does all this stuff that seems like it's super productive. Uh, isn't that crazy, though? It's like there was this thought process that God had to put in from separating what was already there in water to another water, which is the clouds and the water over the expanse and the water that would be held until the flood. I mean, how crazy is that? That God put that much thought into creating this universe from the oceans to the mountains to human anatomy. All of these intricate things take vast knowledge of the world's most intelligent people and God thought all of this up with wisdom and understanding. And that's why we don't rely on our understanding because we're pretty much idiots compared to that, right? It's, we're, we're nowhere are we even on the level of God and his wisdom and understanding. And we have to understand that God does not expect us to be airheads, right? Let me back up a little bit. God doesn't expect us to check our brain at the door before we know and understand him. But what God wants us to know is for us to be able to trust in him, it has to be totally relied upon his knowledge and his wisdom. Because we don't, we don't contain enough knowledge and wisdom to be able to do it ourselves. And uh, because everything we do directly affects his message, right, as his children. Everything we do, in other words, if I am to take my own knowledge and run with it, if I'm to take my own wisdom and understanding and run with it, then God can't be glorified because then it's on my behalf and not his. Look at Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. The only way, the only way we can have good deeds is by trusting in the Lord because we, we can't have our own good deeds because we're tainted by sin, right? Our actions and the direction we take in our lives is an open book when we identify as Christians. And this is why we're to trust God above trusting ourselves because our flesh will affect our judgment, our judgment in a negative way. A hundred times out of a hundred, your flesh will, will negatively affect your judgment. A hundred times out of a hundred because that's the war that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. 50-50 doesn't work. That's not the way, you know, you, you hear people say, well, you do half and God will do the half. That's incorrect. If you're ever at a church, not this one, and they say that, run from there and then come here on Sundays. But uh, it's not 50-50, right? God does all the work, okay? God does all the work because we can't because of our flesh. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. Let no one deceive himself. If any among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. You cannot outsmart God and you can't be wise enough to help your own situation and so Solomon gives you the key the key to overcoming things and he says trust in the Lord trust in the Lord with all your heart and as you're doing that don't lean on your own understanding because you're not wise enough and you can't do it but God can right trust in the Lord with all your heart he says and do not lean on your own understanding it has to be all or nothing Point number two, I kind of did this little word thing because I think I'm smart. 
no God, no trust, right? If you have to know, BK's laughing at me. It's like, not very clever. All right, no God, no trust. But if you know God, knowing him, you can know trust, okay? I know it wasn't that great. Take it off the screen. Okay, no God, no trust. Uh, but if you know God, you can know trust. Look at verse 6, what it says. In all your ways, know him. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. Now, what does it mean to know God? Okay, what does it mean to know God? Some translations say acknowledge him, um, and I really don't like the way that fits here. Uh, I think the word know is a better understanding of how our relationship should work with God. To know God is very different to know of God. Okay, uh, think about it. In our, our English our English language doesn't help this, but to know God is different than to know of God, okay? The Hebrew word Solomon used here was the word yada, okay? Yada, Y-A-D-A, which literally means to know. Not to know of or to acknowledge in that sense, but to know of, okay? Yada, to know. Uh, so for me, an acknowledgement doesn't quite fit here. And we have to know God in all our ways. And there's a certain intimacy that comes with the word yada. I don't know if you knew that or not. There is a certain intimacy that comes with the word yada. Let me explain. Uh, for instance, I know Stephen Ward, okay? But I know my wife, Melissa, in a deeper way. And that's why I'm saying for our English language, it doesn't quite translate for me to say, yeah, I know Stephen, I know my wife. That's not what's going on here, okay? Uh, this is this this is not a knowing that only scratches the surface, this yada, but is an intimate knowing that is deep. So stay with me just for a second on this one. Uh, Genesis 4.1, and this is the New King James Version that I'm using for this. I usually preach out of the CSB, but I really wanted this word in here like this, okay? Genesis 4.1 in the New King James says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now, the same exact verse in the CSB says, the, the man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have uh, had a male child with the Lord's help. So as Adam and Eve begin their family, they shared this intimacy that was only designed for the borders of their marriage, right? Hang with me here. Adam and Eve are husband and wife. God has designed husband and wife to know each other. And I'm talking about sexually, to know each other in a way that is bound to the boundaries of their marriage, husband and wife. And this word used for intimate or new is the same Hebrew word that Solomon used for know, which is yada. Now, think, think about this in a way that is, is more interesting than it is anything else, is that for, for you to be intimate with your spouse within the bounds of marriage is not a physical thing, okay? It is not a physical thing. It is an intimate heart thing, right? That you love each other, and because you love each other, you can then make love to each other. That's the way it works. And this is the word that God chose to use inspired uh, through these men to say, just as you would have intimacy with your marriage partner 
and feel that connection to them is how God wants you to feel a connection to him. How awesome is that, right? That to know God, uh, to yada God, Solomon says, in all your ways, he means a deep, intimate relationship with God that is so serious, it's the same connection you have with your spouse. That's deep. That's real deep, right? God does not only want you to know of him because it literally does nobody any justice to know of God or to know that God exists. Now, I understand that acknowledgement of who God is is, the right, is a step in the right direction, okay? But I've talked to plenty of uh, agnostic who are lost as all get out. I've, I've talked to plenty of people who say they believe in God but are still lost and going to hell because they don't know God. They may know of God, but they don't know God. Look at James chapter 2, verse 19. This is a popular one. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe in that, and they shudder. Demons know who God is. They have a very good uh, intellectual understanding of who God is, but they will never be saved because they cannot know him in an intimate way. Does that make sense? So just because you know of God doesn't mean that you yada God. It's because you know of God and you know who God is and you know who Jesus is and you know who the Son is and you have all this information that doesn't mean you're intimate with him. That doesn't mean that you have given him all of your vulnerability. I can't say the word. Vulnerabilities. You can't be vulnerable with him. I don't know how to say that. I'm tongue twisted this morning. But listen, you have to be intimate with God. In a way that is very transparent, that's an easier word, and, 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 and in a way where he knows you in such a deep and intimate way. And because that's the only way that it will work. Look, did you notice something about this verse? Let's read it again. In all your ways know him and he will make your path straight. It's conditional. If you want God to make your path straight, it is conditional to first know him in a very intimate and deep way. It's conditional. If you do not intimately know the Lord, your paths will not be straight. But if you yada God, if you know him in such a way that is so deep and intimate, then through that he will make your path straight. The course of action that God takes is based on the condition that we must trust him above trusting ourselves. That we must trust him above trusting ourselves and that we are to intimately know him and have a relationship with him. Then we have nothing to worry about because he makes our paths straight. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, I love this verse because there are some like heretics who take this verse way out of context, right? There are some people who preach a false gospel who say, uh, nothing bad will ever happen to you because we know that all things will work together for the good of those who love God. But that is not what this verse is saying, Okay. I know people who have had literally cancer cut out of them. And it's not good for their flesh that they go in and they make this deep wound and they go and intrusive inside of their body and take this thing out. But it is necessary for the good of their health in the future, is it not? 
And so God can take us through these trials. God can take us through these paths where it's very difficult on our lives. And it doesn't seem like good at all for us, right? There are times when we go through things in life and God is building us up. God is refining us through the fire like gold, he says, and it hurts. And and sometimes we're not going to get through it right away. And sometimes we're going to be hurt on the other side. But when God is glorified through that pain, it was for our good. Does that make sense? And so, yes, God, if you know him deeply and intimately, he will set your path straight because he is working for your good. And your good ultimately will glorify God just like we read in Matthew. Because that's the only purpose you and I are on this earth is to glorify God in heaven. And when we do that with our lives, when we know him intimately and deeply and we trust him with everything we have, then he is glorified because people from the outside looking in can say, I want some of that, right? My life is in shambles. How come I come through on the other end and it's no good, but these people come through on the other end and they're stronger because of it. But it's because we know God, because we intimately have that relationship with him that is deep. It's a yada rather than a just knowing of who he is. There are a lot of people, a lot of people today who would consider themselves quote unquote Christian. A lot of people. Okay. I think it's like 65% of Americans or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. However, without that intimacy, without a deep connection to the Father and the Son and allowing God to rule over you completely, without having that, you don't truly know Him. Because listen, and this may be the case sometimes, but you can be married and have no intimacy with your spouse. Now, what does that usually lead to? The D word, right? If you're married and you have no intimacy with your spouse, you're going to get divorced. There's no two ways about it. Because you're not going to know each other in a way that overcomes the obstacles of life. Right? And and this is exactly what it means to be in a relationship with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ is that if you're not going to surrender everything you have, forsake all others and be his entirely, then you're not going to be able to know him entirely. There's plenty of books in the Old Testament about God talking about his people playing the harlot. And and the words get very touchy. (laughs) Uh, You know, God is hot sometimes. And he's like, he says some things. Uh, because he doesn't, he doesn't want you and your desires to be for anything but him. He's a jealous God. And if you, if you want to trust God to handle the situations in your life, then you first have to know him in such an intimate way like no other. That is a total, total surrender. So this has to be like a total abandonment of God and allowing him to take control and fully trust in that control. So how does this work? How do you do that, right? How do you take what's going on in your life and use this to get you onto the other side? I want to give you these, I want to give you a few scenarios 
and then this verse, this passage to get through that scenario, okay? So we would say, I just don't know what I'm going to do about this financial situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. My marriage is struggling and I just don't know what I'm going to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about this dead-end job. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. My children are out of control. My life is out of control. I can't seem to get a hold of anything and everything is out of control. Trust in the Lord. That's what he's saying here. It's not up to you. It's not up to me to make our path straight. It's up to God. And it's up to God to work together for the good of us because we glorify him. And so through all these situations, whatever life will throw at you, you're going to go through things in life. That's the way it's going to happen. And if you're a Christian, I can argue biblically, you're going to go through a lot, a lot more than somebody in the world would because Satan doesn't like you. And Satan doesn't like the Father, and he hates us. And because of that, he's going to throw everything he has at us. But we have confidence and hope knowing that when we're walking that path and something hits us, we can trust in the Lord. Why? Because we know him intimately. Because we know him in such a way that we know he has not harmed for us, but good for us. And church, if we could, if we could understand that, right? If we could understand that, Instead of letting all the things in life and all the circumstances in life get in our way and, and make us trip up and fumble and do the things that God has called us to do, if we could, if we could get out of all that out of the way, then imagine the work God could do through us for His glory. Because let me tell you what happens when we don't apply these things in our lives. Okay? When life circumstance hit us and we recluse, and then we trust in our own ways to get ourselves out. What are we not doing? We're not making disciples. We're not witnessing. We're not evangelizing. We're not showing our kids a good example. We're not coming to church. We're not doing any of it. Why? Because we think, oh, if I could just spend a little more time on Sundays with my family. Or, oh, if I, can, if I can do this and if I can figure my way out of these things, then I can go to church. Then I can worry about the spiritual thing. And that's backwards. That's totally backwards because God says, trust in me, have this, have this intimacy with me, and as you're going through this storm, you will be an example for me. And that when you witness to that person and they saw you go through the hardest times of life and you're rejoicing on the other side because God got you through it, how great of a witnessing tool is that? And so... As we go through this Christian walk and as we look at what Solomon has to say, we should trust in the Lord. And we can only trust in him by having this intimate, total abandonment relationship with him. That's the only way we can do it. Remember, it's conditional. It's conditional. You have to trust him. You have to fully trust him and you have to know him. Not know of him or know who he is, but really, really know him. Yada, that word yada, to have that intimacy with him. Do you have that this morning? Do you have that intimacy with God that is the same kind of intimacy you have with your spouse and the joy that you have in that? Is that your relationship with God this morning? Because that's what he wants from you. That's what he expects from you as a child of his. Do you really know him? 
Do you know him enough to place all of your burdens on him and all of your worries on him this morning? Because he's for you. He's not against you. God is not some mean old man in the sky who wants to punish you for whatever bad you've done. And you've done bad. I've done bad. We all sin. But God wants you to know him in a way where there's forgiveness and there's hope and there's trust for your life. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, and we'll close with this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God does not want you to go through this life alone carrying all the burdens that you have in your heart this morning. He doesn't want that for you. It's so easy. He says, just give it to me. Trust in me. Come and have a relationship with me and let it all go. So do you know him this morning? Do you know him in that intimate way to be able to say, God, I want to give you everything. I want to give you my all and I want to let go and let you take care of it. Because that's the only way to live this Christian life. Any other way is futile, the Bible says. Let's go ahead and stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just as usual, the band's going to come up. They're going to sing a song. And I want to give you this opportunity this morning to have that conversation with God if need be. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you haven't been placing your trust in God. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian and you've been allowing the things of this life to hinder you from really glorifying God with the things that he has called you to do, this morning's the time to give that up. This morning's the time to say, God, I want to trust you with everything I have, and I want to surrender all of it to you. Maybe this morning you've been on the fence about really knowing God. Maybe you've been coming to church and you, quote unquote, maybe can call yourself a Christian or not, but you don't have that intimacy that we talked about, that deep, deep intimacy relationship. Come talk to somebody. There's going to be people standing on either sides of the exits. Come talk to them. Have a conversation with them. Come talk to me because we want you to know that. We want you to know who God is intimately and to have a relationship with him because your eternity depends on it. But not only that, your whole life depends on it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for the for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us, God, to respond to you, Father. And I pray this morning, God, that as these altars are open and as we're praying at our seats, God, that we would have a total abandonment towards you, God, that we would place our total trust in you, that we would have that intimacy, God, that you so desire to have with us, Father. I pray that you would wipe away all the pride and that you would soften the hardened heart this morning, God, and that your word would convict us and that your word would pierce through our souls just like your Bible says it does. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for everything you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.